The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today we are continuing last week's interview with Lawrence Furman, the author of Memoir of a Slightly Mad Mystic. As I said last week, it's the autobiography of a boy who began having out-of-body journeys when he was nine years old, but the freedom and joy those flights provided came into stark contrast when he began sinking into serious mental illness. After being treated with drugs, electroshock, and enforced isolation, his condition only worsened. A cure seemed out of the question until he died three times. Now, listener, if you haven't already done so, you may, it would pay to uh, listen to last week's show to uh, bring you up to speed. I was going to bring people up to date by reading a paragraph from your book. Um, okay. We, we were midway through your second um, near-death experience, and this is about, uh, this is on page 80. You wrote, as our souls move from life to life, it's within these larger spirits that our memories remain viable and alive. And as these massive spirits blend with each other, they form a living library surrounding Earth with a grid of information. As a part of that grid, we can draw from the history of everything that ever happened and are attracted into, into our futures by all that could happen. And then I just wanted to add that you were saying that actually we're all living our lives simultaneously, that it's not... Uh, it's only our perspective that creates a past and a future, but we're all doing this, our several lives together in the present. So do you want to pick yeah. up from there? Sure, sure. It's kind of like if you if you read Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now, you begin to put this together, and it makes actually perfect sense that, in fact, from an off-planet spirit perspective, we're in a vast, vast now. It's always now. And so there is no past, there is no future. And so as I began to realize that, I began to see the relationship between past lives was actually a relationship with other lives, that we were all like a beehive of spirits that were gathering together and sharing information to evolve our own particular spirit uh, through existence. And so here we are. I found myself after that understanding in the presence of another spirit being who then, and I'm going to cut things very quick in order to move them along, who sent mm -hmm. me back to earth. It was like time to return. And so I ended up back in the same hospital that I had uh, left from. And then it was a couple of years before my third time across. And in that time, I ended up uh, leaving the hospital. I had a pretty dead-end life. I didn't know what to do. I ended up in the Army <laughs> uh, yes. during the Vietnam era. And um, as, I was, as I was moving my way, getting ready to go to Vietnam, I had a, a strong awakening in realizing that I couldn't do this. I couldn't go kill people. I couldn't. I, I just couldn't do it. And yes. so a terrible conflict ensued, but when I went to my duty station and was my to receive my orders to go overseas, I was <clears throat> determined to try and stick it out because I was frightened. But a spirit came through and started speaking through me and told the so 
sergeant, I refuse these orders, sir. I will not do this. And mm. so that sparked a melee, and the military police were called, and I ended up getting beat up and thrown down the back stairs in Chicago of an armory and put in a straitjacket. And <clears throat> while I was in the back of the truck, lying with my legs over the end, they left me with uh, one military policeman, and I looked over my shoulder, and I could see that this guy, something was going on. And suddenly he pulled out a club, and he started to wail on me. He started to beat on me. And all of a sudden, before the club hit me the first time, I was out of my body. I was looking down <clears throat> from above again because the doorway in and out had been pretty greased for me by now, and I was kind of accustomed to going in and out of the body. Yes. And looking down, I watched what he was doing. I was weeping. I was weeping over what felt like a betrayal, and I crossed over again. But this time, I got to a certain level where I felt a very loving and incredible presence come up from behind me and begin to hold me. It was though I were enveloped in angel wings. It was wonderful. And this being who surrounded me began to soothe me and calm me. But I began to actually cry louder because I had someone to hear me. And so they, I asked for my parents, and they said, you can't be with your parents now, and I'll be with you always. And yet at the same time, a portal opened up, and I looked through, and I could see my parents back in their respective apartments in Columbus, Ohio. And suddenly I understood our relationship very clearly. And my heart opened to them. And for the first time, and I was about 19 by this time, and for the first time in my life, instead of seeing them <clears throat> as my parents, I saw them as the two people that they were, replete with their own um, challenges and their own uh, trials and tribulations. And I had nothing but compassion for them. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, as the, as the vision of them began to fade, I, I, I was just crying with love for them and realized that they did their best to raise me as best they could. And, and they didn't do such a bad job after all, really. <laughs> so then, all of a sudden, something happened next. The, it was as though my mind opened up and if, it, like a shaken bottle of soda pop, my unconscious mind began to surge forward. And as it did, it was as though in, in, enveloped in a million and zillion bubbles, I began to access memories of all the lives that I had ever lived. And as those memories came forward, I was able to dive into them and begin the process of feeling my way through them and owning the beliefs <clears throat> and thoughts, the decisions that I had made about life based on experiences in other lives. And that's when I began to realize how full of inaccurate information and pain and suffering my being was. And that's why I had developed mental illness in this particular life. It was the expression of the wrong-headed emotions, uh, wrong-headed thinking, rather, and all the associated emotions that I had with that thinking. And <clears throat> so I began the process of unraveling 
that ball of twine. And so I was like wailing and weeping as I went through a panoply of memory. I was seeing this life and that life and this decision and that decision. And it was unbelievable. And it was all unfolding. And I could feel my body, even though I didn't have it's so weird. I don't know how to describe it. It's not like I actually had the physical body I have now, but I had some semblance, if it was only the memory of a body, at the level I was at during this experience. So I could actually sense and feel the relaxation and, and, and the, uh, as I would go into these painful memories of how they would transform themselves into joy. And suddenly... I, I was going after the joy. I kept diving into the pain because I knew that if I felt my feelings fully, they would all return me back to the feeling of love. And that's exactly what was happening. And so I was going through an amazing transformation. Then, as that completed itself, I eventually found myself facing another angel who came in front of me, and I recognized that this was the angel of death. In other words, a being had come in front of me who was giving me the choice this time as to whether I would return to earth or stay on the other side. And being so close to the memories I just experienced, I wanted to stay. I didn't want to come back. And yet, all of a sudden, I heard throughout my being a snap, as though you would take a rubber band that was placed around a book, pull it to its farthest reach, and let it go. And when the snap happened, my entire being let go of its, of its attachment to ego identity. Now, the first time I died, I went into a space in which I lost all ego. In other words, I didn't even have a sense of who I was or what had just happened. This yes. time, I kept my ego's sense of self, but all the belief structures within it left. In other words, I lost my belief in all the institutions of birth. I lost my belief in school, the law, authority, um, uh, all the things that we put together here to try to make life worthwhile. Suddenly, I was like a naked being in the Garden of Eden. And it was wildly free and incredible. And in that space, what I realized was that all I was really beholden to is my Creator. I was only beholding to God. And in that beholding, the only law that I needed to walk the earth was the golden rule. Because in this space, I was experiencing myself with such a depth of love and appreciation and joy. How could I not do unto others as I would have done unto me? There was no seeking for gold. There was no seeking for status. There was no seeking for rank and power that I didn't already have. And in this place of completion, feeling complete in my being, I wondered to myself, could I actually live on earth in this state of mind? Huh. And that was, I think, what that angel had in mind all along. Because as soon
soon as I began to wonder that, I began falling back, back, back. And again, I found myself incarnated again, walking into my body back on earth. Only this time, I walked in in the same truck. I was in the back of the truck where I was beaten and my leg was broken and my head was fractured and I was, I was a mess. And ended up, uh, someone did find me and I ended up in a hospital and after the hospital I was sent to prison. And, uh, I'll, I'll just mention this really quick. It's in the book. You've got to read it if you get the book. Uh, chapter six. It's, uh, while I was in prison, I was, I again became so angry with life on earth and so completely involved with my personality and life on earth that I wanted to die. And I was going to commit suicide by cop, which in the army wouldn't have been too difficult. But I ended up, uh, a spirit came to me in the uh, yard going to the mess hall one morning and actually executed an escape from prison, an escape from Fort Sam Houston, Texas, in which I ended up over the fence walking on a dirt highway through Texas until I came to a diner. And when I came to this diner, I ended up sitting down and having a piece of apple pie. <laughs> and it's a great story. <laughs> well, it is a great story. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is the spirit came to you and said, what would you like? And you said a piece of apple pie. And then yeah. this whole escape ensued so that you could get a piece of apple pie. <laughs> Yeah, and you are, yeah, do you yeah. ever think you might have wished for something grander, like, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, an appointment to general of the army or something like that? <laughs> yeah, if I had any a lick of sense, I would have asked for something completely different. I, I even mentioned in the book, I felt so ashamed of myself for having said that, but I was so angry that that's all, all that would come to my mind. And, <laughs> and so that's what happened. And, you know, it, that's just what happened. So I ended up after the apple pie needing to break back into prison because there was nowhere else to go. And, and the, uh, spirits did it. Uh, the universe reconfigured itself to allow me to actually break back into Fort Sam Houston and get away with it, which I did. So eventually though, I did end up leaving the army and making it back to my home in Columbus, Ohio, where I had another nervous breakdown and ended up back in the same hospital. And this time I felt for good. This was it. I was done. I, mm. I could not access all the memory that I had accumulated from my days uh, in the spirit world. And I was just so inundated with um, sorrow and, and upset that I figured I was going to spend the rest of my life in the hospital. Then... Another miracle. One day, I was sitting in the hallway. I felt a quickening inside, just the same as I had felt a spirit come to me when I was in the yard at the in the army. And all of a sudden, my body shifted, and I felt a spirit come into me. And I heard a voice very clearly, very clearly, and it said, "Now's the time. You've got to leave. Get out now, or you're going to be here for the rest of your life." And it was all of a sudden, what I didn't know is that, again, the universe had reconfigured itself. Everything, an aunt I knew, uh, the, dear, the dear soul had passed, left me some money in, a, uh, in an account, and I was eventually able to access the account and buy a car 
and ran into a fella who wanted to leave Ohio and ended up leaving for California. And I escaped from the hospital. And But when the spirit came into me in that hospital hallway, the spirit made a connection between my conscious mind and all of the experience that had I had experienced in the other world that had um, been subsumed down deep into my being. And suddenly, I started seeing light again. I started to experience my ability to think again. I started to rise through the effect of shock, drugs, isolation, and all the pain that was running my life in the hospital. And I could see that I was starting to think differently. And so, in the midst of this immense transformation, it was the instigation of this spirit that came to me, that touched all the accumulation of memory that I had now gained by dying, brought it forward, and like a figure-ground relationship in which, you know, you, I, I, I suddenly, what was in the background came to the foreground, I started to understand myself and experience myself in an utterly new way. And when I escaped and went to California, it was like flipping a record over to the other side and an entire new life began. And that's the beginning of my second book in which I talk about the ways in which spirit continued to intervene and interface with my life and lead me toward greater healing, a greater understanding of how life works and what we humans are about. And it's, in other words, they restored my sense of mystical awareness. And I know it's ironic because I was a mental patient, and yes, I did have mental illness. I did have symptoms that were terrible. But I was able, through the grace of God's touch, through these agencies, through these spirits, which is how God works, I was able to become larger than the symptoms that were bedeviling me. I was able to regain the use of my mind and regain a sense of clear perception again. And in, in that, I began to live a meaningful and wonderful life that had be, that became filled with adventures and took me around the world. I, I, I've been all over the place and uh, have run into different circumstances where spirits kept intervening and kept showing me that life that we come to view as just the day-to-day -day humdrum and that sometimes leads us into being bored or leads us into being uh, cynical is not at all that way. But in fact, we're still living in the garden in the same way that the original creatures did. But it's a matter of perception. Our perception has traveled so much distance. So far have we come. And there is a tremendous amount of ignorance, I think, if you'll forgive me, but that's what I think, that we're moving through because we have come to so misunderstand ourselves and so come to misunderstand our source. 
And that's what we're doing now, is we're circling back. And we're, 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 the Earth is now at a point to where information can travel so quickly around the globe. And that's the gift of this Internet that was not exactly working so well for us this morning. <laughs> no, that's right. Listen, uh, Lawrence, do you suppose that um, it's karma that keeps us... Um, for instance, you had revelations in your near-death experiences that when you came back into your body, you you lost touch with for a time. Why why is it that it's so easy to forget the true picture yeah. that, that that we yeah. that we uh, should know constantly in yeah. our minds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine yourself for a moment standing on a beach in Hawaii, huh? And you're standing on the beach, and all of a sudden, a wave comes up in front of you that's 20 feet high. I mean, it's like a tsunami. And that wave hits you. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to swim? Where are you going to get out of it? That's what we're facing all the time in this world, a tsunami of thought and belief that is raised or, or, or enhanced to incredible proportions by our beliefs in it. And the way we collude with each other, for example, for example, uh, what's a popular meme in our culture? Oh, crap, death and taxes, right? You can't mm -hmm. avoid it, death and taxes. So we have tremendous belief in those two ideas. And because we believe in them, we keep them going, we keep them intact, we don't do anything about them, because we believe they're inevitable. And so we've got, we've got, Bunches and bunches and bunches of decisions that we collectively as human beings have made about life and have convinced each other are true so that now our sense of collusion is so strong that we have set in motion whirlwinds of energies, tsunamis of thought. Look at the Middle East right now, for example. You have the beliefs in separate religious philosophies and our um, investment in those philosophies is so strong, so strong that we will actually kill each other over an ideology in which the, the essence of that ideology is really only a platform to celebrate our existence through our Creator. But we are so confused about the Creator that we will actually rather be right than in love. We would rather kill each other to be right than, and because we are so lacking in power right now as, as humans on the earth, that we will do anything to gain power. Because we think only if we have more power, that's how we can get what we want. But the fact is, from my, my understanding now, we don't even really know what we want. Because what we really want is to reconnect with our sense of what the Creator is. Reconnect with what is our source so that we feel, actually feel in our being the mystery that we are, that we actually feel the love that we are, not in a metaphorical way, but in a very real and practical way. And that we wake up each day with a sense of fulfilling that the, the urge, the life urge that runs through us and feel that our fulfillment is the connection of a larger fulfillment on earth. That 
we're a part of something greater than ourselves. Right. Now, in one of your descriptions of the creation, you talk about fractals as a, as a good example of how God's imagination works. Do you see evil and suffering as being a part of that fractal? Or is that something that we're, uh, yeah. we're getting into uh, as, apart from God's imagination and creativity? Okay. Again, walk with me on this one, because what we're talking about here is something I hate being glib about, and but we only have a little bit of time. So yes. imagine this, for example. Let's say at one point in the history of the Earth's creation, we were spirits and came here, and we were able to come and go freely, because we were spirits, and we could take on a form we could let go of a form, we could create food, we could let go of food. As a matter of fact, certain yogis in India still uh, express the ability to create an orange in their hand or something like that. But let's say that we were fluid beings who were able to come and go, but for many, many, many reasons, we began to densify and we got stuck. And so pretty soon we found ourselves stuck in bodies and unable to get back to where we were. To where we were. And so we needed a mechanism in order to get out of our bodies and get back to where we were. And so death was invented. Uh, it was a rude sort of, of leaving the, the, the form that had to have stronger reasons because we were stuck in it. And because we were stuck in it, when we left the form, we didn't naturally travel anymore all the way back to source. Instead... Uh, the levels of thought, the levels of belief that we began to create and hold on to created a kind of uh, parfait, <laughs> levels of perception that existed on the earth, which was a certain density. As you left the earth, there were other levels of perception at certain densities. And because we were waiting now, because we were we were uh, we had developed gravity of our own, we were kind of held to the earth. And so we didn't travel all the way back, and we started this process of incarnation that began to happen over and over and over again. And the more we incarnated, the more we began to feel the fear of survival on the planet. And the fear of survival led to a feeling of abandonment by the source, because we somehow inherently knew in our being that we are immortal creatures capable of coming and going, capable of manifestation. You see it still in your dreams. If you want to be a Paris in a dream, you're there instantly. And so we have this within ourselves. We know it to be true. And so there is a terrible longing to get back to that, which translates eventually into all of our spirituality. It's the urge, the life urge to get back home and get back to original source and our original form. But because we can't do it yet, because we're stuck, we feel abandoned, we have, we have developed a sense of hatred towards ourselves and towards our creator. And so we have this, this growing fear of survival leading to a sense of being abandoned to the earth and left here. And so we do what we can to eke out an existence, and we have done that for a number of thousands of years. And now, because of the sufferings that we have laid on each other to try to uh, gain power, 
to gain comfort, to somehow, uh, and projections of our own self-hatred, we have in our memory banks now tremendous amounts of suffering and pain. And that's what I experienced in my third time across, the opening of my memory banks in which all of that started to come out. And so yes. what you see on the earth with the emergence of, of um, a greater ease and greater convenience is that you're seeing people turning towards spirituality in one way, shape, or form. It can be religious, it can be non-religious, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is that human beings' attention is really starting to turn back towards what is the nature of consciousness? Who am I and what am I about? And as we go through this great circle of experience, we are on the path again to begin to realize ourselves. And in the process, there never was, and please hear me, I, I, I hope I can make myself clearly understood. There is only one God. There are not two. So there is no independently existing evil that is fighting God. All that is and all that is not comes from the same source. And all of the experiences that come from that source, when felt fully, lead us back to that source. And out of our ignorance of that source and the suffering and pain that we have developed in ourselves, we have generated, because we have the capacity, like God, to create, to operate, and to destroy, we have generated what we would call evil, by definition. We Laura, admitted... Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, we are out of time. <laughs> oh. and we, we have added some time because of our early uh, technical problem there, but... Um, uh, okay. perhaps, perhaps you could tell our audience again how they might get your book. Oh, I'm on Amazon. It's a great book. I hope you'll take a look at it. It's called Memoir of a Slightly Mad Mystic, How Dying Saved My Life. And if you go to Amazon, uh, click on Memoir and Biography, and then write in Memoir of a Slightly Mad Mystic, and you'll find it. It's a terrific book. Thank you, Lawrence, for sharing your story uh, with us again today. Uh, to our audience, if you'd like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, and I would certainly recommend last week's show, uh, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about the work of IANDS, check out their website, iands.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>